Wild Wild We Work this week on the Wild Loop. Visit our website at thewildloop.net where you can find our blogs and bios as well as connections to our Facebook, Twitter, and email contacts. Email us and let us know your thoughts and we may read your comments or answer your questions on the show. The Wild Loop starts now. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Wild Loop. We've got another episode for you, and we're going to be touching on something that I believe we, we talked a little bit about uh, a couple weeks back, um, and we're going to do the whole show on it this week. So, and it's a little topical because this company recently went uh, public, uh, and they were in the news a long time, like a couple of years ago, for the things we're going to be talking about now. Uh, but the companies we work. Uh, we had talked about a little bit about uh, Theranos, I think, a couple of weeks back and some of the things going on around them in terms of, you know, being accused of fraud and things like that. And and WeWork had kind of a similar downfall. Um, I don't think it's quite as bad as, uh, definitely not quite as bad as Theranos because they're not being <laughs> sued and they just went public. So they're mm-hmm. still a company, but they, they definitely had kind of like a, you know, meteoric rise followed by pretty strong crash. Um, and we're going to be talking about, you know, some of the things that happened behind the scenes and a documentary, uh, actually that we watched, mm-hmm. uh, that's in relation to all of this. So, um, yeah, it sounded like you were going to say something there. Uh, I was just going to say it's part movie review and then part, yes. part topical analysis, I guess. Cause normally we would do, we've done movie reviews in the past, but we've never really done a documentary. So this is more of a. I don't know, mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a new thing for us, but the it's such an interesting topic. We, I guess we couldn't couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and it's because it's got so many things. Oh, gosh, it's gonna be hard to fit it all in one show. But there's so yeah. many things that um, like that relate to tech, like you know, both the positive and the negative things that you see. In terms of the yeah. tech world and the yeah. way things can go wrong, right? Um, it's a cautionary tale, definitely, in a lot of definitely. ways. Yeah, um, it's the you know smoke and mirrors is kind of the the theme is sort of like uh, how hard it can be to discern something that's legitimate uh, because mm-hmm. technology. I think a product in the in the tech world is a little less tangible than something that, you know, say 20 years ago, a product in the market is much more easy easy to define. And even after watching this documentary, um, and this is something a lot of people in the documentary said, is like they didn't really even know what the product was at, at a certain, after a certain point. I mean, obviously it was a real, it's a real estate company and they're really, you know, they're releasing out office space and then re uh, reorienting it and and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, setting it up for uh, what do you call it? Not venture capitalist, uh, startup company, basically startup companies. So yeah, but they um, were positioning themselves as a tech company. So like you kind right. kind of already like getting into part of the issue, right? Because you said oh they're like a real estate company and you know yeah. renting office space, yeah. and that was like a lot of people who. So there were definitely people who saw through it, like. Mm-hmm. pretty early right and there were some of those people being interviewed um yeah but they were trying to get valuations like they were a tech company 
when they it were had, raising capital. It had, a, it had a tech company feel, and then it had elements mm-hmm. of a tech company, like when they had they were kind of creating their own network, sort of like a LinkedIn network. So mm-hmm. it, it had the feel of kind of a Facebook um, type company. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, all they were really ultimately doing was was real estate. Uh, it was kind of a uh, creative way of marketing real estate, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, but it came, I mean, it's wrapped up in this weird package of um, almost like a cult. It was like, uh, yeah. kind of, and I think they even mentioned that in the documentary. It had a feel of a cult. And the people, if you ever watch documentaries on cults, um, mm-hmm. Like I watched one last year on a cult in Oregon. It was called Wild Wild Country. I don't know if you saw it. I but... saw that. <laughs> okay. With, it uh, reminded uh, me very much of that. Like yeah. the people that when they talk, because you know, obviously they're interviewing people from the company after the fact, mm-hmm. and they're, they're mm-hmm. recounting how they got into the company and what they bought into. Um, and it has a very similar feel. The main uh, founder, Adam Newman. Um, he kind of had all the, the characteristics of a cult, cult leader. He was, he was, uh, very kind of down to earth. Like when they would describe when they would first meet him, he was very casual, but he was charismatic. He was very convincing. Mm-hmm. He just, he was a mm-hmm. kind of the ultimate salesman. Um, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what cult leaders tend to be like. Um, and then it kind of had the traditional arc of a cult where it's like, you know, people really buy in and it just, mm-hmm. it, it takes off. And then there's kind of that period of sort of stagnation and then disillusion. And then there's kind of the uncovering, you know, there's always, there's always kind of, uh, somebody uncovers something and it's like something's mm-hmm. off, but it takes right. a long time for the rest of the world to catch up. It's like, it just right. it, almost exactly the, the way cults tend to yeah. play out. Um, and so it's, it's not your typical, (laughs) it's not your typical tech company, obviously. And then it's not your typical company. It's like, it's, it's weird. Uh, yeah. The fact that it was, it was able to reach the billions and billions of dollars, uh, of valuation that it did. And it was just, it wasn't even, uh, um, even the numbers were kind of doctored. So it wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah. I will get into all that, but. Yeah, uh, so where crazy do you want to start? Story. Well, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we've given some of it, of it away already, but <laughs> yeah. I, how, how much do you yeah. know about um, the company's beginning? I know they talked about it a little bit in the documentary. I know it started around 2008 because uh, it came out of the housing crisis. Mm-hmm. And they talk about at the beginning of the documentary how tech at the time was kind of something that was... It was a it was a light at a I don't know how they put it mm. but it was a sort of a light in a dark time like mm-hmm. it was the optimism around tech at the time was high because the pessimism around some of the other markets were was very high mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like real estate for example so when you have a company that is both I guess we'll say both a real estate and a tech company mm-hmm. um, you it's like the time was ripe for something like that to come along. Um, and so I don't know how much you know about the beginning of the company. They talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't like, I don't really know much outside of what they showed. And I, I believe, didn't he have like a co-founder that was into it with him? Yeah. Yeah. Miguel, Miguel, I think was his name. Okay. 
So uh, yeah, he gets he gets kind of uh, etched out of the picture down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the main, you know, Adam kind of takes on again. Uh, True to cult status, you know, he kind of yeah. that, that yeah. always happens too. It seems like the cult leader sort of betrays the people that are loyal to him. Yeah, um, you know, but what's weird though is even watching this, um, watching after seeing the whole documentary, Adam, uh, you definitely can see why people were taken in by it. Like, he's he's not he's a likable person. And even till the very end, I was, I was like, I was expecting more of a, a fall. Like there were obviously there were people at the end that were very disillusioned with what he did. And um, mm-hmm. I think the dishonesty part of it, mm-hmm. you know, him sort of creating this facade for investors um, and painting that picture to the outside world that everything was fine when it wasn't. Obviously, that's that's a kind of a sinister thing, but it even after seeing the way it played out, I, it's almost like I, I almost feel like he believed so much in what he was doing. Yeah. He's not quite as sinister as, you know, your typical cult leader or, or, um, even a, you know, like we've talked about people that are kind of have a dark side, like a Steve jobs or something. Mm -hmm. I, I almost don't even see that in him. I just, I think I think he he created a, a, a sinking ship and it was massive, right? Um, but I think he believed in it enough to where, or so much that, he sure, just, he went down with the ship basically. Yeah, I think I yeah I definitely think that was I was gonna say something like that like with the, you know because we obviously we're only looking at it from the outside so we only know what they tell us what these things tell us. Yeah. But like if you look at the like if you yeah, if you look at the Theranos stuff, like they actually didn't have a working product. Yeah. And they were lying about it. And I think that's a little and like, you know, the Elizabeth whatever her last name was, like she knew like as far as we know, like she knew, right? That's why she's on trial. This guy's not on trial, right? He's he made a bunch of money <laughs> from it, right? They, he just he just failed, and I think there's the problem with the someone of his personality is maybe he does believe in it, but there's a certain element of ignorance in that, like he doesn't know why it's not going to work because he kind of believes his own baloney, yeah, right? And he might see himself as that kind of, you know, motivating, you know, figure, I guess, or like, yeah, like I can lead these people and we're going to change the world. But it's like, it's, there's just a certain naivete or whatever. It's like, come on, this is, you know, because I think some people even said like, oh, you're a real estate company. And he's like, (laughs) no. And like, it kind of offended him or something. Right. Right. I remember. Yeah, there was a visionary element to everything he did, and I, he definitely mm-hmm. saw he saw something that kind of wasn't there. But he also got other people to see it, and uh, that's what made him, I think, unique. Mm-hmm. But the the fact that he didn't go to prison is very telling because it it is there was a product, like like you said. Yeah, um, it wasn't complete deception. Because there was right. a product, there still is a product. I mean, the company still exists. Yeah, they just went amazing. public. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, 
there's so many there's so many things to to talk about that one one thing to i just want to point out at the beginning is is there's kind of this intersection with the um the world of uh startups like we kind of mentioned and venture capital and mm-hmm. in that and that's not a world i've ever been a part of i don't know if you've had experience in that area um but there's a so there's this book that you and i are both kind of reading or we've we've been reading called chaos monkeys and uh, and that book kind of deals with the startup world and the the, the author talks about a, t- a point where he, you know they had a startup company and a product they were trying to get capital for or get investment and there's a point in the story where they're being sued because they they basically they're they're working for a regular company and then they kind of leave that company to start the startup company and they end up getting sued in the middle of trying to launch this other product and they don't really have the money to pay for the lawyer uh and yet this but they need a lawyer to, to handle a lawsuit and then they they have the um the investors at the same time who of course if they're being sued they're not going to invest or they're, if, they're, if there's a feeling that they're going to lose the lawsuit then they're not going to invest mm-hmm. So basically, he ends up saying in the book, he says this, so I, I mean, it's okay for me to say on the podcast, he says, we lied. We lied to both mm-hmm. sides. We, we lied to the investors, and we lied mm-hmm. to the lawyers. We lied to the lawyers, um, saying that we had the money to pay them, and then we had we lied to the investors, saying that the lawsuit was going to be taken care of. And they happen to make it out okay. Like, they end up, the the you know, and explain, the book goes into more detail, but they, they end up getting out of the lawsuit, or the... The, their ex-boss ends up dropping the charges and then they can they are able to get the investment because of that and um mm-hmm. they, they end up coming out okay but mm-hmm. it was the same dynamic where like the 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 ship was the ship was kind of sinking um and by by sort of um painting the picture that everything was okay they were able to buy some time and then they got themselves out mm-hmm. and i think with WeWork, that's kind of what I think it looks like what he was thinking, what Adam Newman was thinking mm-hmm. um, was, you know, he was he was because it even talks about how they, they had the uh, they had their main investor, which was the uh, the Japanese, the famous Japanese investor. I forget his name, but um, we're written down here somewhere. Yeah, the SoftBank. Soft his yeah. name's Masa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he he had initiated uh, initially invested, I guess, four billion dollars, but further down the line, they were they were needing more investment because I guess they were just right. hemorrhaging money. <laughs> which right, is right. Unbelievable. Um, and it, they had a deal where it looked like Masa was going to invest twenty more billion dollars, which is just mm-hmm. unfathomable. So they were kind of banking on that, but they were kind of, I think he was buying time until that happened. Um, and right. it was a similar dynamic where he wasn't being honest with invest, you know, with the outside mm-hmm. world. Um, they weren't being invested about, uh, being honest with how much money they were losing each each uh, year uh, or how much money they were earning each year. So they were being completely dishonest about their uh, forecasting. And uh, so long story short, when the, when the 20 billion didn't go through that was kind of the the final nail in the coffin but yeah 
Um, in my point in saying all that is in that world, in that venture capital startup world, I think this mm-hmm. ha- probably happens a lot where, you know, you're kind of, you're getting investors to buy in mm-hmm. um, and believe in something. And, you know, not all, obviously not all these companies that are being advertised are what they're advertised to be. It's kind of, you know, as a venture capitalist, you're gambling in a way. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, you're totally gambling. Yeah. So yeah, that that's kind of the world they were in. Um, so it's not it's not inconceivable if you kind of understand that. Um, oh yeah. What's, what's inconceivable is the sheer magnitude, like the size. Yes. The size yeah, of the yeah, company yeah. and the size of the valuation was just astronomical. Um, and I can't imagine being, uh, being him, Adam, uh, and being uh, in that position where you kind of know that things are going down and mm-hmm. like that, that's gotta be tough. Um, well, see, I, that's why I don't, that's why I wonder how like much he lived in reality versus believing his own baloney. Cause if he yeah. thought that he was going to get that investment because yeah. everything else, cause this was like 10 years in almost. Right. Or this right. was like 10 years in when this happened, I thought. Right. And if things have been going your way for 10 years, and yeah, you've been able to do that. Why not? Why wouldn't yeah. it keep going? So he probably thought, "Oh yeah, like I got this guy. He's my buddy. He's gonna he's gonna bring in the money. We're gonna keep going. We're gonna change the world." You know? Yeah. Which <laughs> that whole thing, like we're gonna change how people work. We're gonna yeah. change the world. That to me is that's the kind of pitch that it's like. There's no practicality in it. Yeah. And if it was world changing, you would know it when you saw yeah. it. Yeah. And that's I have, what, yeah. Go, go ahead, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, I was gonna say that's that's what gets me is like how how many people they got to buy into it because to me that's the kind of thing that you hear it, you hear the pitch, yeah, and you immediately dismiss it because it's like this is nonsense, and yeah. I tell you why it's nonsense, and I have full faith I'm gonna be proven right in the long term, right. and like that that kind of stuff like we see that all the time. We've talked about those kinds of things on the show, where, whether it's products. Right, we talk about the products that launched, and you immediately say this is gonna not succeed. Right, here's why. Yeah, and it's like, and I don't think we've ever been wrong on the ones that we've called <laughs> like that. And yeah. the same thing goes for for this company. And I guess that they, and going public doesn't mean you're a success. Like Uber has gone public, and I think, and I don't think they make money. Like Netflix mm. has gone public, and I'm like long term that Netflix might be okay, but like they've. They've been losing money for years. Hmm. Like don't turn it. Like to me, that's like you know, business is is being able to turn a profit or sustain yourself. And a lot of these companies that go public cannot do that on terms of revenue alone. So I don't know if WeWork falls into that or not. But that's such a strange thing, uh, like what you just mentioned about Uber, because these uh, and Netflix, because these are both companies that have disrupted their industries majorly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, turn the industries on their head literally, and you would think. Right, that they would they would have huge profits. Um, right, that's a whole nother show, I guess. But um, I, that I, I think that's where WeWork was thought they were going, like they were they were going to have that kind of transfer transformative effect. But I think even on a bigger level, they were literally trying to transform uh, culture. It's one thing mm-hmm. to take an industry and and turn it on its head. Um, but I want to get back to that. I want to. I have more to say about what you just brought up about about changing the world and that kind of mm. thing. 
but before that, let me just go back one one uh, one last thing I want to bring up about the venture capitalism thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in that book, uh, the author, uh, the book I referenced earlier, Chaos Monkeys, mm-hmm. the author um, he mentions a, a shift in that in that world in that venture capitalist world, mm-hmm. and it happened around this time. Uh, around the time that that we work came on the scene or because prior to that i guess um how should i say this like the ball was in the court of the investors the the venture capitalists meaning they would go to you know things like y combinator um mm-hmm. to find startup companies and it was it was kind of in their hands to pick the guys that they wanted um mm-hmm. they they had the they had they had the power let's say and at some point uh, around this time, it was around, I, I want to say it was around 2010-ish or 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. that, that uh, pendulum swung over to the side of the startups. And the reason being um, kind of because they had these two waves of investment, I guess. You have like a, the initial wave of investment, um, and, and then as the product um goes a little further you have the second wave which is traditionally like the big and the bigger investment um but i guess what started happening is these startups would they would get an early investment and then the ones that would really take off um would not consider outside invest a new investor so they would kind of stick with the guys that uh, that invested with them initially that yeah. whole say, that whole saying you don't you don't leave the you don't dance with the or you dance with the one who brought you or whatever that saying is mm-hmm. where you stick to your original you stick to your the, the you stick to the devil that you know well that's another one same oh, concept. okay same concept <laughs> so okay that it started what started happening is some of these companies would the tech industry in in particular brought this on i think because some of these companies would blow up to such um extremes like think google or facebook or these kinds of companies that just they blow up so fast and for the investor it's like if you miss that boat you know you regret it the rest of your life if you have an opportunity to get in on on google at the at the beginning stages you get in Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can put more money in in the second wave of investment so on and so forth um so the tech industry kind of turned that on its head and i think this company, this company came at not. I mentioned earlier how they came at the perfect time in terms of you know coming out of the housing crisis and tech being that kind of that that uh, kind of that optimist the optimistic uh, the optimism that surrounded tech at the time. Mm-hmm. They also came in at the right time when it came to venture capitalism and investment because the shift had already occurred. So um, they they had a lot of sway, and, and so you have this guy. Adam Newman, he comes in, he's very charismatic. He can go on any talk show and, and convince anyone that, you know, this is the future and you want to get in now if you're an investor. And he convinced a lot of people because, I mean, that the, the valuation yeah. of the company just went up and up and up before they yeah. really had anything. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of it had to do with that shift in the, in the, um, the, the venture capital startup world. Uh, that he talks about in that book. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions also, I mean, this is kind of a side note, but you mentioned Uber. The title of the book, 
um, Chaos Monkeys mm-hmm. is kind of a play on word. Do you know what the title refers to? Uh, no. Uh, well, unless it's uh, Code Monkeys. No, it's it's kind of similar. Like the Chaos Monkey is, um, I guess, the idea being like when you develop software before it goes to production. Uh huh. You the idea being that if you were to put it in a room with a bunch of monkeys that were just hacking away at the keyboard, uh-huh. like what would they break? Could they break anything? It's like an experimental idea um, uh-huh. to, to, to test how reliable a software is that you've made. Okay. But there's a play on words in the title too because the industries themselves um, have uh, like the, the companies that that have been created, like Uber, for example, you mentioned Uber mm-hmm. and Netflix. Those companies are chaos monkeys for the actual industries they're in. So um, Uber is like a chaos monkey for the the, the taxi industry mm-hmm. or the transportation mm-hmm. industry, and Netflix, of course, for the you know the movie renting gotcha. industry. So yeah. it's sort of a test as to whether these industries can survive when these companies come along. And, I see. Uh, um, which is a really interesting concept. Uh-huh. Um, uh, because so many of these tech companies are really disruptive, and they, they in a what they would say a good way, that's like mm-hmm. that. That's what WeWork would say is that they were they were disrupting the industry in a good way. Um, so let me get back to that. You mentioned um, kind of the idea of changing the world and and mm-hmm. that that kind of ambition. Um, there's there's uh, you know the the saying there's nothing new under the sun yeah um so another thing the the company reminded me very much of a cult like i said earlier but it also reminded me very much of some something that would come out of the 60s so there there was a lot of things they said in the movie and maybe you caught this um and and especially when as it pertains to the people they were targeting because you notice um like you've mentioned you just mentioned how, you know, you have to be discerning uh, yeah. with products and, and with work, you know, what, what you sign mm-hmm. up for and all that. Mm-hmm. But you look at the people they were targeting, most of them were young. A lot of them had never worked before. Yeah. And those, and that's, that demographic tends to be ripe for, yep. you know, ideas that get implanted, um, inspirational ideas, idea, and not that it's wrong to be inspired, but just kind of pie in the sky um, yeah. stuff and they tend right. to be easier uh, easily manipulated i guess yeah yeah totally um but you look at these uh well i mean obviously the summer camps they had were very much like it looked like a cross between spring break and woodstock <laughs> yeah you know yeah. like something yeah. almost out of it almost looked like woodstock like it was just this massive hippie party right Right. Um, and they just felt like they were they were on the cusp of changing the world. And it was obviously exciting, and and um, it gave them purpose. A lot of them spoke about having purpose, like, mm-hmm. and when when they're talking at the end, kind of the disillusioned people are, you know, some one of the girls even said, you know, I I had to go to therapy for a long time because I felt like I lost my purpose. Yeah. Um. So. The, the fact that she got to that point means she was at a point where she was looking for purpose. And I think that's, uh, right. that's where a lot of these people are. 
And, you know, you think about it when you're in your early 20s or mid 20s. I mean, that that's normal. That's kind of where you're you're you yeah. know, trying to figure out what you're going to do. Right. Um, so that's part of it. But also, I don't know if you caught this, but um, they talked to, a lot of the people that were sucked into it after, after the fact, they talked about it and said it was kind of a rebellion. And this is a, actually a quote. They said it was a rebellion against the office culture of the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found that really interesting because if you listen to people that were in the, came out of the 60s, mm-hmm. I mean, this must just be a generational thing. Every generation must do this. But the uh-huh. people in the 60s were rebelling against uh, you know, their parents, the, the baby boomer generation. Right. Or I guess they were the baby boomer generation. They were rebelling against the World War II generation. Sure. Um, and they had that saying, don't trust anyone over 30 or something like that. <laughs> um, but, it, but it was rebel. Like, you look at the 60s, look at footage from the 60s, and it's just, it's rebellion. It's like a counter, they even called it the counterculture. Right. right. Um, and I'm I'm sure you know our generation maybe rebelled against that generation and then this generation and all of this of course depends depends on how you define generation but I'm just going I guess it right. it seems to be like 20 year blocks so right right the um these I guess millennials were sort of yeah. rebelling against quote unquote the office culture of the 80s and 90s which I didn't even know was a was a thing but <laughs> You know, I'm not sure what they're referring to when they say that. I guess um, I, I don't know. Like, well, okay, so, or... so I guess that would probably be, you know, the whole cubicle suit, suit and tie yeah, idea. Yeah, I, I guess. guess, like, you know, yes. pants and a dress shirt and a tie, and it's like, but I didn't, well, I, I didn't think yeah, that came ahead. out of the '80s and '90s though. Like, I, that's been around yeah. for a long time. But anyway, yeah, but you have to remember when you're 20, like, you think you, that what happened. Yeah. 25 years ago is really old and ancient right, history right, right, or whatever. Right. So it's like they're going to be looking to that period as right. the only thing that's relevant. They're not going right. to learn from the fact right. that they're doing what their grandparents did. Right. Like that's, yeah, it's just so funny how it's like it's all cyclical, right? So now they think that they're like, oh, different and new. It's like, oh, you're doing the hippie thing from the 60s. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we've, we've seen that before. We know where this is going. Yeah. Like, exactly. They, That's exactly think, my point. But they think that they're like, oh, we got new ideas, right? Or like a new, new fresh approach. It's like, oh, are those bell bottoms you're wearing? Okay. Right. right. So it's basically uh, that's yeah. It felt like it was sort of a repackaging of the '60s in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, that's it's because he kind of drew from, and again, I think it. I mean, as with any movement type thing, it's going to appeal to a certain personality, right? So it's going to. Like the whole setup is very—it's like for extroverts, right? Yeah. And like so, maybe like idealist extroverts. Like for me, that whole work setup—it sounds like a total—it's an absolute nightmare. Like right. the whole like open office stuff, which is happening now, which will eventually be rebelled against, which if it hasn't already started, because after everybody got a taste of remote work, it's like I don't want to go back to the open <laughs> office necessarily if I don't have to. Yeah. Uh, and I've worked in the open offices plenty, and I I, I hate them. Like they yeah. make cubicles sound like heaven. You right. know, it's like oh, I have right. my own space. Right. Who cares if it's like smaller than a prison cell? It's my space. Can you know? I can tell people to go away. Right. Um, 
But like this WeWork thing, it's like predicated on the idea that for some reason, mashing everybody together in in this time, again, it's the open office idea. We're going to mash everybody together in an open office space. So it's going to be quote unquote collaborative, which doesn't make any sense because you're not collaborating when you're actually doing your work. You're doing your work. Yeah. Like, and then, and then it's, also, like it's it has like elements of like communism or socialism, like we're all sharing everything, and yeah, you know, it's like peace, love, dope, or whatever, kind of like that whole vibe of like right. sixties. Yeah, and but it was like, this it's weird meshing of capitalism and communism, though, because you're you're right. promising these people wealth. Right. Uh, it's a it's weird. It's like it's a the, obviously it's a complete sham because right. he's the only one getting wealthy. Um. And the promise right. of wealth is what kind of what's keeping the thing going. Right. But but if you look at it, they weren't being paid very well. Right. They had I guess they had equity in the company, quote unquote. Right. Right. Um, but it's a complete it's a complete facade. Um and the the other weird thing is when you talk about open offices, you're mm-hmm. usually talking about a, a company. Yeah. Like Google, I think, has that kind right. of setup. Right. Whereas this was just a bunch of startups. All, all mashed together. All mashed together. So there was yeah. There was there wasn't any real rhyme or reason to it. Like it, mm-hmm. they were all benefiting for a while from that because because it was growing. I mean, even though it was a false growth, it was growing. So they were all kind of growing together. Mm-hmm. So they were benefiting from it, but like the long term vision of it, it didn't really make sense because it, it had to it had to play out somehow and. Like they're all startup companies, so they can't all necessarily flourish, right? You know, like you know what right, I mean. Like, right. they're it's still it's still capitalism. Like it's still right. it's still the business world. So some of them are going to fail, some are going to succeed. Right. Um, it was just instead of happening out in the open world, it was going to happen under this umbrella. Yeah, but it's a weird it's a weird thought. Like what he was thinking so that's the thing about these um utopian visions that people get like mm-hmm. they they never work i mean no they never they've never worked through thousands of years of history you can look i mean <laughs> we talked about cults we talked about cults right. but you can talk about history in general there's been tons of utopian visions and they never work uh, but it's weird to think that somehow like in the somewhere in his mind he had this vision for where it was going to go Mm-hmm. Um, and it made sense to him, and I, I and it makes you wonder, like, what exactly, what exactly he was thinking was going to happen. Well, that's the thing. Like, so it gets back to like, how much did he believe his own? Like, what was the end goal, right? Because mm-hmm. so, from what I remember, they were giving away office space extremely cheap in order to try and get like client list, right? Right. I think that's what they said. Right. And that's why they—that's one of the reasons why they were hemorrhaging money, right? Because they're spending so much money on everything. Yeah. And it's like, well, they're not bringing in revenue because they're not charging people. And I—it's like the whole open office thing. I feel like is a way to well, first of all, it's a way to minimize costs for people right. that need to pack people in. But then it's almost like they come up with reasons as to why it's good when it's clearly not. There's study after study that shows that it. That like it's distracting to workers and like it's you know frustrating for people and like productivity drops when you pack people in that type. like that's yeah. already been proven yeah. everybody knows it but then there's like this like 
lofty like oh yeah it increases collaboration and all this stuff and it's like it's like they're they're trying to come up with almost like they have lies to justify like <laughs> just say you're cheap just say yeah. you're trying <laughs> to like pack in the people right yeah. Yeah. like hey we we, we just want to like reduce or like improve our margins sorry you're gonna yeah. have to bump in elbows all day yeah. like just say what it is don't right. don't try to like fluff it up right so i don't know if he believes that or if because we'll never know. We can't get inside his head. And right. if he, we never know if he's telling the truth or not. And to me, it's like... I I, I don't know, man. I, to, uh, to me, it's such an obviously, like, not true thing, I guess. Like, from the outset. But he went on for, like, a decade yeah. spouting this stuff. Now, did he... But he had his own office, right? He had a did big office. Have, so he had very and nice... A, and a private jet. Pri- private off very private space uh which is again this is how cult leaders live yeah it's always exactly. what's you know what's best for everybody else is not what i'm gonna do right you know i have right. a different rule set for me uh and that right there should be the number one thing like the, if the, the guy's red not, flag you mean yeah like if yeah. the guy's not sitting in the pit with 20 other people right like well why do you need this if this well, was the, yeah if this is if this is the best setup for work, why do you need the inferior setup for right. your own work? Right. Can you explain that one? Right. All and right. that's the irony of the title of the company. We yeah. we work, and it was all about community and we and us. And he was. Re- I mean, the concept is it's clever. I mean, like he's taking. It was just the natural progression from the whole i mm-hmm. iTunes and iPod and all that, mm-hmm. uh, and sort of. I mean, he kind of uh, he villainized that uh, that branding mm-hmm. in a way, saying "I" is all about "I," and that's not really what. I mean, I guess it is. I guess yeah. it's about the individual. Yeah. Um, but twist, you know, playing on words and and making it about we. I mean, that that that's clever, and um, yeah. you know, where where I, I have to say like. I wouldn't fall. I I would. I don't. I don't think I'm the kind of person that would ever fall for a cult. Mm-hmm. But if I was 20 years old mm-hmm. and just you know, and just starting out and and had never worked before, and I came across this, like I would be more prone to fall for this. Yeah. So I I don't I don't look at the people that fell for, it. and even kind of looking at the post interviews. Um, they weren't the kind of people like when you do watch those cult documentaries, you're like, man, these people are a little, a little nutty, you know? Right, right. And you watch this, and th- these are kind of normal people. Um, yeah, yeah. That got swept up in, you know, a lot of them. What's interesting too is a lot of them had never been to New York before, or, mm-hmm. or a couple of them hadn't been. Um, so when you're you're just starting out and you're in the jungle of New York, uh-huh. and and you get this. This you know you, you get latched on to this up and coming startup that's doing really well. I get mm-hmm. why you know it's like a lifeboat in New York, right? And so I get, I get why some of them got taken in and do sure. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I mean, I can definitely sympathize with that because I'm sure there's a. I mean, I'm trying to think of an example from. Like you tend to be more like from what for myself I was gonna say, but like you tend to be more idealistic about everything I think when you're younger, 
Yeah. Right? Like, oh, like, everything holds so much potential. Mm-hmm. Um, we could really make a great thing with this, with that. And the other thing about it is that it's not... The WeWork is not totally... Um, didn't exist in its own space because tech... There's a lot of tech companies, and there is a lot of success, right? Yeah, right. So you're not. It's not like this standalone thing where it's like, oh, here's a company that just suckered everybody. Yeah. Because yeah. like, if we were started in 2009, was it? Like you? Uh, yeah. 2000. I thought it was 2008. It was, 2008. It says 2010 on the internet, but I think. Um, but it's close enough because yeah. the point I was going to make was we always go back to this. Remember, 2007 was the intro of the iPhone. Right. Android comes out in 2008. Everything around tech at that time felt explosive. Right. And it was like it was a new era in devices and you know how people were using computers. So everything was like hot at that time. Yeah. So you Facebook could, could, had just come out too, right? Uh, maybe yeah. It was it. It might have been a couple of years earlier, but it was around that period where. Things were really st- like there was just so much new stuff. Right. Like YouTube was had really taken off, I think, around that time. And right. So if you have like, hey, we're, this is the tech company for office work, and it's yeah. like, and we're getting all this VC money, and like everything is going to change. It's like, and if you're 20 years old, yeah, and it's like you're going to be rich, right? But you know what? Some of them might have gotten rich, like. I don't know what equity, because I remember some of the people in the documentary at the end who just felt like they'd been suckered. Right. Like if they got equity, they might have ended up okay today. Yeah. <laughs> like a couple, like, maybe. You know, they, depending on what they got, like they might have made out pretty well in the end. Now, you know, vision notwithstanding and going through all that, but um, it's not like it's not quite like wild, wild country or whatever that was called. Yeah, wild, uh, wild country. Yeah, wild, wild country, that, which was seemed nuts to me from the beginning. Right, right. But yeah. it had that. But it had that cult feel to it. Sure. And and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I wouldn't have fallen for it. I don't think because those summer camps where they they went on these binge drinking uh, uh-huh. episodes for days at a time uh-huh. and, and had just crazy concerts and. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't the type. I like so just for me personally. Like I, I knew about the '60s when I, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of a history geek, I guess. Mm-hmm. So so I knew kind of what that looked like, and I knew what Woodstock looked like, and I had like that was not my like. I, I think I would have smelled that a mile away. Like if I mm-hmm. saw approached something that looked like Woodstock, because mm-hmm. uh, I because I know kind of the fallout from the 60s as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the counterculture and all that mm-hmm. and the vietnam era mm-hmm. and uh i i would not have wanted to be a part of something like that and i i feel like like i again i see why people would have got swept up in it but those massive parties at the very beginning um uh, i think would have been a red, big red flag even even uh, like I said, even if I was 20 years old and it just happened to be there at that time. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, that's even, you mentioned these big companies that were taking off at the time, Google, Facebook. I, I can't imagine those companies when they were taking off, just, just having these massive, 
um, uh, you know, crazy, crazy prolonged parties every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I mean, but it sounded like you know Wolf of Wall Street kind of stuff, like just uh, um, indulgence, like total mm-hmm. indulgence. Like you can you can you can see indulgence and be discerning about that, and not, you know, you can choose to look the other way, but that level of indulgence is usually a sign that something's off. I think mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you know something about the inner workings of. Uh, some of these tech companies, but no, I, I mean, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's such a, it's none of that stuff is, is for me. Like what, what was weird about it was how it was like mandatory. <laughs> yeah. Those, those getaways. Yeah. There was that guy who was like, I don't want to be here. You're going to make me sit in the mud. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what they became after a few years, right? But when the that's how they painted it anyway. So that, like at the fir- at the beginning when the company was sort of taking off, those uh, those events were like at least this is how they made it look. Like the events were like Woodstock where everybody was just kumbaya and it was Yeah. Um it was just a total party. And then toward the end uh they looked like like awful places to be like yeah the, the speeches weren't inspiring anybody right like you said they were sitting in the mud they were wearing those tracking bracelets to uh-huh. make sure that they were there which is i mean really cult-like and weird right right um so it sort of once the once the shine wore off mm-hmm. uh, and the facade started to wear away then those parties looked really ridiculous which is how it usually happens that's my point is like you, that's the arc of these kinds of yeah. things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not surprising that that's where it ended up. You know what? Like, uh, you know what bothers me about these things, like these companies, like, and again, this, this sounds like old-fashioned. Practically, it's like, why can't your company just be like, well, we want to serve our customers really well. We want to <laughs> provide a lot of value for the money they give us. Yeah. We want to have solid business financials so that we can continue to stay in business. Yeah. And, you know. I know. They always pay- have to take it to the, this like, extreme. Like, yeah. So, like, we, we're going to pay our people well. And then the other thing was, and, you know, I want you to work. Like, if I, like, let's say I'm the head of the company. I want people to work the way that they feel that they can get their best work done. So, if that means you need your own space. You can have your own space, whether you want to work at home or like you need your own space in the office. If you feel like you need people around, like maybe we have a space for those kinds of people that feel like they want to be around more people. Like, let's make it work for you. Why does it have to be what I want? Like, if it's (laughs) like if I feel like I like work a certain way, well, you know, then everybody in the company has to work that way. Like, yeah. why is that like that? Like, at these companies, like, oh, it, this is how you're going to work. Like, we're going to mash it. Like, I, I think I've used that word mash more often in the last hour than I have in a long time. But we're going to mash everybody into the same space because that's collaborative and that's how you work well. And it's like, no, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, think about, like, because, like, if you're coding, you're you're writing things, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so let's take that to, like, let's use an analogy. Okay, everybody's writing a book. Let's put all these authors into one room. You're yeah. all writing your own book, 
But for some reason, it's going to be beneficial for you to all be around each other and talking to each other about your own books. Yeah. And that's going to help you write your stuff. Like, that, that on its, like if you express it that way, I'm hoping that most people would see that that sounds completely ridiculous. Yeah. And it's the same thing for code. Like, leave me alone. Like, I'm writing my own code. It has nothing to do with what you're doing, probably. Yeah. And even if you are on the same team, like, I can go ask a person for help if I need it. But they're probably doing their own thing too. And it's just I, I don't get like this this whole like you're gonna do it my way or you know, or like you're wrong. And then like we said, and at the same time those people have their own really high end private setup. Yeah. It's just why I just don't understand why companies have to be like this, like follow my vision or your or else. Right. Um Well that's a very interesting I mean, you're opening up a, a bit of a a can of worms. Let me let me just say, <laughs> no, really. I mean, I, yeah. I have a lot to say about that actually. But yeah, um, you mentioned coding. Like I was going to say earlier, I can't imagine coding in an off open office. I, I mean, I've never had to, but mm. um, it's very so, prevalent. It's hard to do. I mean, I can't imagine how hard that would be to do. It's hard enough, you know, when you. Uh, I mean, if you don't have your own office or you yeah. Know, um, I don't know. Just to, to to be, you need you need a you need to be able to concentrate when you're coding. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Right. To, to put it simply, um, you can't have a lot of distraction, and it, it you are. We've talked about this on the show already, but you are a part of a team anyway, and mm-hmm. and you are interacting, and and you do need to be able to work as a team. But that's mm-hmm. the actual act of coding is not a group. No. Uh, project or a group, right. group dynamic, so so it's kind of a misinterpretation of what coding is or what uh, programming is. I think now these were not all programming companies. You know, they weren't all software companies. There were a bunch of random startups. Uh huh. <laughs> um. So I mean, maybe it was a little more conducive for for that, but. Maybe I don't know. Like, cause, and again, like I said, it's going to appeal to different personalities. I'm sure some people, yeah, love that setup. If you're like a yeah. marketing had person, a, yeah, or you know, it kind of had a college it, again, right? It appealed to I think that demographic because it had kind of a college dorm feel, which I've been in that environment and it is it is fun uh-huh. for a while where you're you know you're you're in this close community and you're doing fun mm-hmm. things and. Um, you do you do meet people really fast and you develop relationships really fast. So there's something fun and exciting about it. And you do meet and it is it does kind of give you a layer of meaning maybe that you wouldn't get from, you know, a typical mm-hmm. office job maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, even dorms like get old after a while. You know, it's like you don't want to live in a dorm your whole life. It, it's it's a right. it's a fun experience for a time, but you don't build a, a career around that that right. living situation. What I was gonna say, uh, so you mentioned the cult, uh, or I don't know if you put it this way, but the kind of the the way work makes you, you know, like the situation where you have to buy in mm-hmm. to a culture, and it's like if you don't buy in, you're out. So there's there are theories about that. Um, and I've mentioned him before, Jim Collins, the the author who wrote Good to Great, 
And he, mm-hmm. wrote another, he wrote another book called Built to Last, which I think I've also referenced on this book, on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And he talks about something called the cult-like culture. And there are companies that are known for that. One of them, I mean, this, these are maybe a little dated now, but one of them was Nordstrom. Um, and there are others, and I'm sure there's probably some in the tech world. But there, they screen people very heavily before they bring them on board to make sure they're going to be a fit with the quote unquote cult like culture. Uh-huh. Once you, once you buy in, it's pretty rigorous and intense. And uh, it's, it's similar to this where it's like, you know, it's their way or the highway and there's a an intense scrutiny on everything you do. And, and there's certain, you know, the way you represent yourself to the customer or the client is, it reflects that cult-like culture, and if it doesn't, you know, you don't last very long, right? Um, and it does work for; it seems to work for some companies, um, but but the difference is their cult-like cultures are not actual cults, mm-hmm. and there is a difference. I think the one of the things they talk about in the documentary was the Monday morning meetings they would have. Mm-hmm. A couple couple red flags. One of them was the Monday morning meetings. And they would have these presentations where they would have videos that they had made. Um, and the, the the woman kind of describing them says they were basically just propaganda. That's the word. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and they, they would create this, she called it a mythology, the mm-hmm. WeWork mythology. And they would have, like I said, videos of Adam and he would be, you know, walking through the hay fields and like it would, it would, it would have just this pie, lofty pie in the sky propaganda uh and one thing about propaganda like when i when i hear that word i immediately think of uh nazi germany like i don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen i'm sure you've seen movies on nazi germany but like the the youth and they, they would do this to the youth which is exactly the same demographic mm-hmm. but the the people that they were training in the hitler Jugend, they would use propaganda videos to indoctrinate them and so, like, I know they're movies, but they'll show in the movies kind of what the propaganda videos were like. Um, and they're like, when you're watching a movie, there it's and you know what it is, it's like instantly recognizable. Uh, and I feel like propaganda, like, if I saw propaganda, it would be instantly recognizable, even in the workplace. Like, if I saw a movie like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think going back to your point. Even companies that have that cult-like culture, I've I've been in companies not like that necessarily, but uh, companies that were pretty intense about their culture and 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 having you buy into their culture, and yeah. I I I kind of would always recoil at that, like I just felt it instantly. Mm-hmm. So I think to to buy into that, you would have to already be in to buy into the propaganda you would have to already be in you mentally checked into the company yeah like you are you've already bought into something otherwise you would recognize the propaganda so the propaganda i think it just kind of further enforces um your place in, in yeah the- <laughs> yeah i kind of wonder like i remember watching it thinking like because again almost everything they stood for is stuff like against what i believe in i guess or not even what i believe in but what works for me 
like mm-hmm. I said, you know, it's different for everybody. That is not the kind of environment I want to work in. And I, I just don't believe that those setups are good. Yeah. Um, and I, cause like I said, there's been study after study that shows that they're not in terms of, you know, productivity and all that. So like, I always kind of wonder like how many people got jobs working there? Like, I, I don't know how many people would do this. Like, I don't know if I would have applied to a place like that. Cause immediately I would have been like, this is not like, I don't like this, but I kind of wonder, cause you said you kind of already have to buy in. So I wonder if. They really had a staff that, for the most part, did, because otherwise I feel like it'd be miserable. Yeah, yeah. But imagine like your 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 dream job is to maybe get into tech, mm-hmm. and you know you get a tour of the property. And remember that he would even make it look a certain way. Like when people now he was talking about investors, I think. But when people would tour the facility, there was kind of even that was kind of a facade because he would have he would make sure people people were there in certain mm-hmm. rooms and they were um you know they had a they had a coffee bar and they it was like there's a it just looked and it looked cool like the it did the space looked again it looked kind of dormish or modern office kind of mm-hmm. stuff and um so you see all these people that they look really happy and a lot of them were at the beginning because it, you know the company was seemed to be on the up and up and up and up meaning it was climbing not up and up being a legitimate company but um it just it probably so again imagine you're 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 getting a tour of the company um and it's like maybe your first job and you're like this is amazing yeah i'm and and it just and then they tell you you're going to have equity in the company and yeah the company's projected to be worth billions and like you're like oh right. okay i'll i'll be a millionaire yeah <laughs> work work here why not yeah. Um, and if you didn't have a, a pretty good level of discernment, I, I could see where you you would totally you would totally fall for that. Yeah. It, so what? A, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say at one point the they said the company was hemorrhaging a hundred million dollars a week. It was. Yeah. And, and they they uh, compared it to to. Uh, jets, I forget what kind of jets, but basically like two, two expensive airplanes and, and mm-hmm. just flying them into a mountain each week, and yeah. that's how much money the company was hemorrhaging. I mean, that's a that's it's, it's, it's astounding. Nuts. Yeah, like that's the kind of thing where I just can't imagine being in charge of that. Like if <laughs> if I was seeing that, I'd think like you know we I think we got to do something here because <laughs> like I don't want to have to count on a 20 billion dollar injection yeah. to keep going because at the same time man you're playing with people's lives like yeah i think it's a big responsibility obviously to own or be in charge of a company that people are working at because it's like yeah. like people are paying their bills and they're living off what like the company like it's not you can't just set it up to be like one day, you know, oh, okay, well, we, we screwed that up, you know. Yeah. Sorry, everybody's let go. I mean, obviously it's going to happen, and there's going to be cases where, you know, somebody was trying their best and all that stuff, but, like, that's that's too much. That's just yeah. too much. So that makes me wonder about this guy's personality because it's like, how can you – how can you sleep kind of like knowing that you're responsible for burning this kind of money 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, he must have really believed his own stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there was another guy that made a comment that if you tell someone, you know, that you're, you know, uh, I forget how he said it, but if you tell someone that you're God incarnate, basically, uh, and you're in your 30s, he said, he said he's, he was in his 30s. Um, and you tell him that over and over and over again, which is what people were kind of doing. Because uh-huh. when he would go to these um, promotional seminars and things and shows, you know, they would all introduce him as this uh, incredible, uh, innovative mind uh, who was changing the world. Uh, and I, I'm sure you hear that enough times and you just you start to believe it. So, you, yeah, you know. I'm 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 speculating here, but like, yeah, the 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 ship is going down, and money is hemorrhaging. But you're thinking long term, and you see the twenty billion dollars on the rise, and you're like, well, we'll be okay, you know, we're gonna get out of this, and and they'll see, you know, people will see. Like I I I, I feel like he believed it, like he mm-hmm. believed in what he was doing, um, and maybe I'm being suckered, um. But I don't so, think he was. Yeah. I don't think he was. And this isn't a knock on him because I'm sure he, he was like obviously a, a very good salesman. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to be as, as sharp enough to pull off that kind of a diabolical, yeah, scheme. Yeah, um, I don't think it was diabolical. Like, yeah, I wouldn't pick that word. It's like you can't be both. You can't be so. In, uh, I don't know. You can't be. You know how people used to say, <laughs> like Trump. When people were, were, when Trump was president and, and people would say he was this complete buffoon, but then they would also right. say he, he had this conspiracy to take over the world. Right. It's like you can't be both. Right. And, and that's what we tend to do is 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 it was the same thing with both of those. Yeah. Things. It was the same thing with Bush. Yeah. They're like, oh, he was like practically it's illiterate. Kind of the but same like, thing with every president. I think every president gets that criticism. Like they're they're just yeah. idiots, and then at the same time, it's like they're. That's true. They're so smart that they're gonna take over That's the true. world. Like you know, there was all kinds of stuff said about Obama too, where it was like, "Oh, he's terrible," but he's also <clears> trying <throat> to ruin America from the inside. Yep. So it depends on what side you're on. The other side is both idiotic and completely diabolical. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, so what I was gonna say was, so I think this kind of like brings it to another point in the in the movie though, like, or in the documentary, like, it, I kind of wonder how much of it had to do with his with what his like wife was pushing him to do. Yeah, because they expanded into they expanded this idea into two other areas, which was living, like housing, and education. So they had we live, right, and was it. What was the other one called? We it wasn't was it We Grow or we, we, Yeah, We Grow was the education one. So and those were like her I think the We Grow especially was like her deal, right? Right. And I don't remember about We Live, but We Live was kind of similar to We Work and in the way that it's like everything is kind of in this space, it's a shared space, and you compared We Work to dorms, this was even more like that, I right, think. Right, right, right. And the idea was like almost like you don't have to leave the we space, right? You can live yeah. and we live, and then you go to work at we work, right? It's like you and and it, they said it yeah. got to the point where people literally wouldn't leave, like they and if they right. did, like if they're going somewhere, if they said they were going to a birthday party or something, they'd be like, "Well, what floor are you going to?" 
because yeah. the thought of going to the outside world was just not it was unthinkable uh that's that's a red that's, flag for yeah, sure. yeah that's when it starts getting really weird and then the whole like and people made this comment about the we grow stuff was that like to have the audacity that you're going to reinvent the educational system and that you know what's best for that yeah it's like it's like nuts it's like yeah that that to me is nuts and that kind of i don't know if that came from the wife who who definitely seemed i mean you know I, i'm not sinister i don't want to use that word but she just seemed odd and like the stuff that she kind of believed about herself maybe like a little not as naive as he was i thought at least the way she came across now I could be wrong, but like they, I think they were saying that like she pushed him, mm. like to be you know all you can be kind of a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mentioned the '60s earlier. Mm-hmm. She had a, she had a lot of those uh, what do you call new age ideas mm-hmm. that were very similar to the Woodstock kind of mm-hmm. mantras and uh, and I think she, like you said, I think she was behind, especially as he progress as, as things went further it seemed like she had more and more of an influence on him to the point where it almost became like a, like a yoko ono kind of thing where mm-hmm. it was like i mean she broke she didn't break up the beatles but she was like she pushed out the uh she kind of pushed out the other founder or co-founder mm-hmm. and so it, as in over time it became uh almost a husband and wife thing and the other guy even though he was m- much more a part of the actual business. Yeah. Now, she was, she wasn't, uh, she was from what, from most accounts, she wasn't really cut out for the corporate business part of things. Mm. Um, whereas the other co-founder was, but her ideas started to get more and more foothold. That's at least the way they presented it. But I, I, I think the, she had that, that sixties, mentality in a in a big way and i think i think mm-hmm. a lot of those ideas were hers that that came out in those summer camps and things like that yeah so did do we know if the wheat grow stuff like is it still go, like that seems don't you have to get like a or not i don't know if accredited is, is a thing like that's a university thing i guess but if you're having like a that was the thing they also wanted to charge like a lot of money for these schools yeah yeah and like and the irony of that, the whole, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. The, the irony of that is, the, again, going back to the whole we idea, like they create this education platform that most people can't afford uh, uh, under the guise of being this communal. It's just the right. irony of it, you know? Right. I did say but at it the was, end. Yeah, go ahead. I did say at the end they were planning to relaunch a private school. So that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like again, I just don't, I don't understand that. To me, that is like that's air, like a lot of arrogance. Like if you're gonna be teaching, that's something you devote. Not, probably not only well, a lot of people devote their life to that, right? You're gonna be sure. a teacher. You devote your life to it, yeah. and it's a lot of hard work. Like, and if you're a university professor, you know that takes a while to you know you probably get a PhD, and you're gonna be known in your field, and you're gonna be doing research and like, you don't just think, hey, I know how life works. I'm going to yeah. have a school and teach children, and they're going to play. Yeah. I don't even remember what they were doing, but it sounded like nonsense. Yeah. Um, and so it, 
there, yeah. were, there was a lot of money put into it too because you saw the the way it was set up mm-hmm. and, they, and they showed kind of i don't know if it was an advertisement but they showed the kids playing in the mm-hmm. in the facility it was like it was a it was a immaculate um in, innovative looking facility sure where kids kids just had these elaborate toys to play on and stuff um but that's that's what it always looks like, like those yeah. those utopian visions. Of right, right. Stuff. It's like, so, you know, we talked about red flags, and if you're in the, you know, the, the business, like, can you catch the red flags? I feel like the advent of we live and we grow would be the red flags that you should not miss. Yeah. It's like once they expand to that, once a business starts trying to tell you the best way to live your life. Yeah. Like, that's when I think should be the obvious, oh, wait a minute, maybe they don't know what they're doing. Maybe they yeah. don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Because, uh, like, that's when you have, like, they're, they're, like, making choices for you, you know? And it's right. like, this is how you should do things. This is how you should be. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, if it's a business that you're supposed to be, first of all, I should be choosing to use you. I guess you would anyway. You're not being forced to use them, but... Like there should be some kind of like clear value proposition in what you're offering, and just this whole like, hey, you can live your life in this company. It's like I don't know, it's bizarre. It's bizarre to me that that yeah. it gets to that point. Yeah. Um. So I feel like that would be if you missed it before. That yeah. is when you notice. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's funny because you 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 see that. I mean, these kinds of things make good movies because they uh-huh. they. <laughs> Again, I talk about the arc. Like it always. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can think of a handful of movies off the top of my head. There was the, like the firm, for example. I don't know if you ever saw that the old Tom Cruise movie, where he joins a I, law firm. I just watched that actually. Again. Okay, I like that movie a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. So they, obviously, the law firm is shady, mm-hmm. but when they recruit him, mm-hmm. they make it look like a small family. Um, but there's like little things that are warning signs where it's like you're really like you're not just close you're really close to right to everyone uh and, and you know because obviously they're kind of keeping tabs on you know that's more sinister mm-hmm. but it always kind of looks that way it looks really good at the beginning uh-huh. and and i i can think of um I know there was a movie called antitrust which was like a tech maybe not the best tech movie but it's it's a tech movie from back in the day and it's the same thing like the heat this young guy joins a like a bill gates type mm-hmm. company and it just it looks like everyone's having a great time and it's like this amazing opportunity to make his mark on the tech industry and then sure enough there's stuff going on that's mm-hmm. not all what it seems but you're talking about the red flags and it it seems like it, it seems like they're pretty obvious in retrospect but again this one i i i I think is a little, maybe a little harder to spot initially, because because I think what you mentioned earlier, the time, the timing mm-hmm. of it, and the the fact that there were other companies that were exploding that kind of mm-hmm. looked the same, um, so it would have been hard to differentiate, I think, at the time. Yeah, I kind of wonder if it's almost like the uh, the whole like boiling frog analogy. Yeah, that too. You know that so. too. When you're in, like you, yeah. just, you don't notice because it, it right. happens incrementally. Um, one thing the one thing that I did learn 
from this or one thing that was you know caught my attention is how important it is to you know there's a set standard when it comes to reporting your earnings uh mm-hmm. to the public to the public and like I, I i hadn't really given it that much thought but like you're really accountable to the public when you're you know i mean they talked about going public and having an ipo yeah. and all that and obviously right. there's, there's a process for that and a protocol and that's when they got exposed when they yep. actually tried to do that yeah <laughs> yeah but there is a there is an accountability you have um, when it comes to reporting, and it's it's really really important mm-hmm. because you start tweaking those numbers, and that's that's what allowed this to happen. Um, they mm. talked about uh, I forget the way it was worded. Again, I have it written. Down. I have a lot of notes on this. <laughs> getting lost here, but it was there. Um, it was their earnings they were reporting. They were reporting. Oh, it was called EBITDA. A bit. Uh, it stands for earnings by. I forget what it stands for, but it's a standard thing mm-hmm. that's reported each year. Mm-hmm. And they, because they were set, they were they were valued so high. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's because they were valued so high, and because a lot of it was sort of an investment, and it was based mm-hmm. on projected earnings they created something called community adjusted EBITDA okay so they literally created their own um uh, their own measurement uh, and i don't know how they got away with that exactly they, obviously they didn't get away with it ultimately but for mm. a time they did because i guess people were looking at it thinking okay well that makes sense they're the money's not uh the money's not actually physically there it's it's I, I don't know how to he he would even say when he would go to these interviews he would say yeah we'll, we'll go public when the time is right we value the company where we want to value it is kind of uh-huh. what he would put it it's like uh-huh. um we we have like he would he would be vague about it but he would say we have reasons for evaluating the way we evaluate it mm-hmm. um sort of implying that they were in control right of, of how valuable the company was and they were sort of manipulating that to optimize their revenue. I don't know exactly what he was trying to say there, but it, long story short, they came up with this alternative measurement standard called the community adjusted EBITDA. <laughs> uh-huh. And so every year, basically their losses were getting bigger and bigger and they were projected higher and higher earnings at the same time. Um, until finally the $20 billion thing fell through and and then they tried to go public, and they had. And I guess when you go public, you have to fill out an S one, or, or there's an S one that has to go to the public. It's a precursor to going public, and you have to. At that point, um, you have to disclose certain things that you can't hide anymore. Certain things have to be disclosed, mm-hmm. and that that that's when the you know the the cover came off, and people were like, oh, what what is this, you know. But there were people in the company that when that happened, they knew, they knew, like they knew mm-hmm. exactly what, why it was happening. Um, but anyway, going back to what I was saying, I, it really reinforced this idea that these companies, especially the ones that get really big, mm-hmm. it's vitally important that they they don't fudge their earnings. Um, and I wonder how often that still happens. I, mm-hmm. Um 
because you do hear about that happening a lot, or at least when you hear about um, cautionary yeah. tales, cautionary tales like this, you hear that. Right. So, right. So anyway, it just really reinforces the point. It's like um, integrity when it comes to uh, disclosing to the public is is very very important. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and again, like it. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about, like, I just don't understand why business can't just be. And I, I guess if you're a huckster, you know, you can't just be straight doing straight up business because, like you said, they were burning a lot of money. They were, yeah. they were, but at the same time, they were valued at like an extremely high valuation. And I just, I'm not into that. Like, yeah. I just want to have, like, whatever I'm involved in, like, it needs to be straightforward and, like, hopefully it's a profitable venture. So that yeah. it's sustainable, and I don't see what's like. I don't see what's wrong with that, and I think that like, because you know we talked about like the big companies like Uber and uh, what was the other one, Netflix that are public, and they're big yeah. giant tech companies, and but they don't make money, like yeah. like they're losing money still, and then the way that they finance that is by selling stock. There are the issue, you know, they sell stock, so like, well, then they can make a bunch of money but at the same time they're still losing money like it can't go on forever mm. so, so like they're either gonna have to become profitable or it's gonna come crashing down yeah. and i just like this need to go huge and i i, I know it's but because of like being backed by venture capital and those people want their money back or they want a yeah. profit on what they invested so that drives a lot of yeah that drives a lot of this right I gave, I gave you a couple billion dollars. When, when am I going to get a return on my investment? And it's like, well, yeah. that might drive an IPO. So yeah. there's there's pressures that can push it like to that point. And it's like, man, I just I'm not into any of that. I I really like business fundamentals. I'm all about the fundamentals. Like that's just <laughs> yeah it should be sustainable. And like if it's if there's an obvious value to a product, like it should be able to be built in a way where it's like sustainable. I don't know. It's it's nuts. There there's definitely some and the, like this whole documentary it, ignoring the I mean cuz this is almost like, you know, an example of this kind of thing run amok, right? Like right, this is right. like worst case example, but it happens a lot in tech. Like a lot of companies don't make it mm-hmm. because they they don't make money and they are backed by venture capital and there are a lot like to get going. So, but they're burning through that capital and not making money. Yeah. And they eventually fail and they fold. And that is why you mentioned this earlier. They are gambling. And that's why they need the big plays to pay off because yeah. it covers the losses and then some, right? So that's how they're making their big money is on the really big wins. Yeah. So they don't, they don't care if they gave 20 million to a small company and it went under, if they right. make billions on the big ones. Right. So it's almost what I was going to say was, well, this is like a worst case example. It also kind of encapsulates a lot of what happens in like Silicon Valley and the tech world in general. Yeah. Where these, you know, they are trying to make big bets on all these different companies that say they're going to reinvent this or reinvent that change yeah. the world here. And it's like a lot of it is nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of the world we live in. Yeah. And uh, you know, what's uh, a couple of things you just made me think. First of all, the this is all relatively new. Like we've talked about, kind of having a historical perspective, and uh-huh. and 
the these giant tech companies that blew up in the in the 2000s and 2010s mm-hmm. um you know that's a that's a pretty new development so it's sort of uncharted territory mm-hmm. and and there it, there aren't really that many uh models and the ones that are there are kind of volatile like you mentioned uber hasn't really monetized well yet mm-hmm. and maybe they will maybe they won't i remember what when facebook was first starting i remember this like um it was like facebook wow everyone's using facebook this is going to be huge and but i remember there was a time when they hadn't monetized yet uh-huh. and it, it was like the the talk was when are they going to monetize how are they going to do it um and i know they they probably thought long and hard before they finally did mm-hmm. um but but what's weird is like that so facebook was this we work was coming along shortly after that so they probably saw that happening where where it's like we're the new facebook and this is what facebook did they were they didn't monetize for a long time so yeah this is why we haven't monetized yet because it takes time to you know figure out how you're going to do it and i'm sure he was making promises like that right um so they're they're like i said there's not really that many models out there and the ones that are there that they're they were like looking at them real time so it wasn't like they they could look back 20, 30 years later and say, well, this is what Facebook did. Like mm-hmm. it was literally happening kind of at the same time or shortly before. Um, so again, I can see why people would be duped by that. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no model. There's no, you know, there's no standard basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like it comes back to it. Like you wonder, man, it's, I don't know. It's such a bizarre thing. Like, like I wonder if the guy was just thinking, you know, Adam Newman. Mm-hmm. If uh, <laughs> Newman. it was an obvious, yeah, yeah. it's an obvious Seinfeld we joke. We haven't done the Seinfeld thing yet. Uh, someone, there's somebody somewhere who thinks of that guy and goes Newman. Newman. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably a few people. Yeah. So. Um, what was I going to say? Like, I wonder if he, again, just just kind of had that thought of, like, it's all going to work out. Like, this is yeah. all going to work out because I know what I'm doing or, like, I'm this, you know, figurehead type person and yeah. people believe in me and we're going to get investments and eventually it's all going to turn around, like, to where we're profitable or whatnot and then we're going to go public. And But there, there was elements of, like, because you talked, we talked about, like, so towards the end of the movie... When they talked about going public, and then they he like remember the he was filming that video which I yeah. thought was for investors, and like he couldn't do it, he like yeah, couldn't was, get through it. That was 2019, so that, they said that was when they were like they right, were about to yeah. go public, or they were trying to go public. But like the letter, and they were talking. There was some kind of I forget what the name of the of the like document is that they had to produce. Like to announce their intention to go public or to have an IPO, and they were like people who were reading it were saying it was like the most bizarre thing they had ever seen. Yeah. So they they couldn't have been because of the defensiveness and the like the fact that he couldn't get through those videos when he was trying to you know explain what they were doing or whatnot. He was like having trip like problems. Yeah. Yeah. He he knew at some level that it was not working. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have talked. He wouldn't have behaved the way he did, and they wouldn't right. have written what they did. Right. Um. If if he was truly like 
out to lunch in terms of like not understanding reality. So there, there was definitely, you know, he, he knew what was going on to some degree. Yeah. But the, the impression I got was like, it was falling down around him and he was, he, he didn't, he honestly, I don't think he expected that. Mm -hmm. Like it was happening and he knew it was happening, but I don't think, I don't think he knew how to deal with it because he just wasn't, in his mind, up until that point, I think he, he thought it was going to work out. Yeah. So, but this is the other thing. They talk about this at the end. Um, he said, they said, he you know, he got the $1.7 billion settlement to step down. Uh-huh. And, you know, for all the talk about we and believing in we, he, he never gave that money to anyone else. You know, like he right. didn't. And so that kind of tells you maybe where his heart was at ultimately. Like it was, you know, it, I don't want to say he was lying to people. Right. Cause I, cause I think he's, like I said, these utopian visions can be really deceptive even to the people that have them. And he probably did think that things were going to work out for everyone mm-hmm. that stayed on board. Um, I'm guessing I'm speculating again, but I, by all accounts, that's what he thought. Right. Uh, it's just, you know, I think if someone was really, if if it came down to it and somebody was really concerned about others yeah. and all the people that he had affected, yep. the lives that he had, you know, people gave years of th- their time and yeah. life to this, uh, you would think he would give some of that, you know, disseminate some of that money to, yeah. to other people. And he didn't. So that's an indicator that I'm not going to say he was diabolical. Um, or sinister, but he, you know, but he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, what was, am I trying to say? I'm what, not sure. When it came to the massive amounts of money he earned, he was a community of one. Right. So, uh, at the like, jet, he flew off. Yeah. Jet and I mean, even just give 0.7 billion back. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, that's, keep one. Right. Right. You right. Know. That's like the one, that's the one thing, like when these numbers shift and these orders of magnitude, yeah. Right. Like yeah. $1 billion. Well, it's like, well, it doesn't sound like a lot necessarily because yeah, he had won. 47 billion and then he ended up with only with well, one. Well, with well that too. Well, what I was going to, what I was going to, yeah, that's true. What I was going to say was, you know, if you have a billion dollars, well, you only still have one of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, if, but looking at another way, you could give away, it's also a thousand million dollars. <laughs> so you could give away $900 million. Right. And still have an astounding one hundred million dollars left for yourself, <laughs> right. and that's only like you know what I mean. So Are you trying key... to sound like Doctor Evil right now? Because you do. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm trying to say how ridiculous the numbers yeah. get. Yeah, it is. At it's a certain way. That's so what I'm saying. A... Give away point seven billion. Right. You're giving, right. You're giving away seven hundred million dollars to however many employees. That's right. you know a pretty good chunk for everyone, and you still get away with a hundred a billion dollars. A billion dollars or a thousand million. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Same thing. But it's like, yeah, because I remember like one of the I can't remember the girl that they were interviewing who at the end was like crying. Was she like his assistant or she was like yeah. an early employee or something? Yeah, she right? was one of his main assistants, right? Like the like your inner circle. Like she yeah. should have been like she should have been like, yeah, the company fell apart, but he gave me five million bucks. Yeah, he compensated me. Yeah. Okay. 
Just nothing. Yeah, that's right. Like, and, and there were some other guys that were talking. It was like, you know, they were mad at themselves for falling for it. But then, mm-hmm. but then, and they, one guy, it was interesting, said uh, he wasn't mad at Adam at first. Like, he, he, he felt mm-hmm. like Adam, because, like what we're saying, Adam believed in what he was doing. But then he said when he thought about the money and how he didn't give that money back or mm-hmm. any of it back, he said it, it turned into anger and eventually turned into rage. Yeah. And 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 that's that was – I was waiting for the end to see kind of how it played out because I thought the whole time I'm watching it and there's nothing really unlikable about him. There was weird stuff. There was the propaganda and it was weird. But there wasn't there wasn't anything that was like, yeah, he's just evil, you know. It wasn't like that. Right. He he was right. he was a likable personality. Right. Uh, but then you know when you when you look at that as facet of it, mm-hmm. um, you think yeah he would have if if there was if there was as much good in him as as it looks mm-hmm. he would have given some of that money back. Yeah, like and it's interesting how. I mean, maybe you don't hear about it, but I'm sure that there's people who do behave in that way. Like, if a company strikes or makes it big, like, they'll spread it around. Yeah. But it's also interesting how often it does not happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I understand that, like, for a lot of people who their wealth is... The thing is, like, if, if your wealth is wrapped up in, like, stock, for example, like Jeff yeah. Bezos. Right. Like, he doesn't have... 200 billion dollars like this is and i know we've talked about this before and people don't seem to understand this he doesn't have 200 billion dollars right he he doesn't have that and if he tried to cash out the stock that he had that's worth that the value of that stock would plummet yeah and he the the like it would hurt a lot of people so it's it's like it's like paper money like you or not paper money it's like it's not real yeah so he's yes he's wealthy yes they've got wealth but they're not like like 100% liquid to where they can just hand money out. So this guy did get a payout, right? He he did yeah. get like a cash payout. So he had money. Yeah. And he could have given some of it away. Yeah. And I I don't believe that he should have been forced to. This is, you know, supposed to be a free country. Yeah. At the same time there is such a thing as greed. That's yeah. real. And yeah. you it's you know what? Like that was his choice, but it reflects on him. Yeah. Um and I don't agree with that. Like I've always said if I you know, and I'm not in this position, but if I had a company that did well and I had employees, I would absolutely spread it around to everybody because it's like yeah. the people who work are the ones who are the, bringing the value to the company, and it's like you can't just treat them like, yeah. you know, yeah, cogs in a wheel, yeah, so, or a machine. I mean, yeah, uh, uh, and that's what he did. So, yeah. Now, in fairness, this is a, a pretty recent story i mean this is you know like that that was 2019 when the mm-hmm. when he was uh when he stepped down so it's only been two years you know it may play out differently uh in the years to come but to this point and and they showed uh, enough i would say enough of the ex-employees who all kind of had a similar take mm-hmm. on the way it played out to where mm-hmm. it, it that's that's what i took away from it especially that part where he didn't he didn't give any money back so it's it's telling it's a telling point yeah and uh well i think it comes back to uh, 
Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to come back years later and be like, hey, by the way, here's a check. I don't think he's going to do that. If that's Probably not. Yeah, but like, you know, there was a story in the documentary about ordering an espresso, I think, versus a latte. Yeah, this is what you brought up in the, this is how we, uh, this is how I first heard about WeWork was this story that you uh-huh. brought up on the podcast. Um, and that was very telling as well. But go ahead, tell it, tell it again. So, and I, like this, this to me just says like the kind of person that he is, and the way that he, like the kind of leader that he was, because he he definitely instilled enough fear in people to where they couldn't tell him the truth, yeah. right? Because yeah. they they feared his reaction. So the story is that at the bar in the WeWork offices, you could order an espresso or a latte, and that. He didn't understand what they were, so when you, so he thought an espresso was a latte and that a latte was an espresso. So if you went into the WeWork offices and ordered that, you'd get the wrong thing. You'd get the opposite. And so they had like an investor or something like that. Was it the yeah. Masa guy or something? Uh, no, it wasn't. Somebody. It was somebody else. It was, it was an investor of some sort that went in, ordered an espresso or a latte. I forget which one. Got the opposite thing, and he was like, "What's going on? Like this is not like this isn't right. This isn't my drink." Yeah. And like I forget, I forget what the reaction was. Like they tried to hush over it, or they they tried it, to basically get, like it's like nervous it. laughter, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah. But the point was, <laughs> the reason it was like that is because of this guy's didn't know what his coffee drinks were, and so they changed the definition of the coffee drink instead <laughs> of just correcting. Instead it. of just telling him, yeah, so yeah. To which me, makes that, you, it makes you that, think, like, what was he really like? Right, you know, because you don't see that side of him at all. It doesn't look like someone who would blow up on on people. Right, but 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 the point. Was, it, my yeah. Well, well, there was there was a part in the movie where uh, one of the one of the women who mm-hmm. had, had left. Uh, she was the one who stumbled across the email. Remember, he ha- she had his password, so he, she was able to. Oh read yeah, yeah. And she found out by reading an email she wasn't supposed to read that she was going to be fired along with seven percent of the staff. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. in that email, he was kind of joking about it, uh-huh. like he was kind of making light of it, um, mm-hmm. like sort of bragging to some other CEOs that he had he had met his quota yeah. as to what he was supposed to fire or how many people was, uh-huh. was fire so that led you to think well he uh, a he has no problem he had no problem firing people even though he was talking about community and we it's about us when it came down to it he had no problem hiring people and or firing people and he might have been you know you know uh was the word like kind of callous and like he had a side like if you if you wronged him you would be on that list maybe and, and yeah. you, would, you would lose your job. So people were well, maybe walking around on eggshells, even though it looked mm-hmm. like they were just, it was kind of this carefree environment. So, yeah, so my point was going to be, I feel like that kind of says what kind of a leader he is, right? Because he doesn't want to know the truth. He yeah. wants to be right. Yeah. And I think if you're in a, in that position, you you yeah. want that you don't you don't shouldn't be concerned with being right. You should be concerned with your business doing well or like, you know, do what's right for everybody. Not that like, oh, whoops, I screwed something up. But somebody else that's working with us knows the right answer to the to this problem. We're going to go with their problem. Like you should have good judgment. 
yeah. so that you know when to pull in the right solution or where the right solution is coming from, even if it's not yours. So I'm assuming he was not the kind of person, based on those anecdotes, which also reinforces the fact that he probably thinks that $1.7 billion is mine, all mm-hmm. mine, and I don't have to give it to anybody else. To me, that all kind of ties together. Yeah. Uh, or maybe even so, thinks he got... Maybe he even thinks he got the shaft because they, yeah, they was, you probably. know, all I got is this measly 1.7 billion for my great vision. You you know what? You could have a point there. I, that would not surprise me if he thought I, you know, this is not what I expected. Right. But uh, <laughs> if you thought if you thought you were going to create world peace and you ended up with a million, uh, a measly right. billion dollars, um, it's all it's all relative, I guess. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's funny. Um. So oh man so yeah so like what would you say is the takeaway from mm-hmm. this documentary on well i think uh go back to what i said originally it's sort of the ultimate cautionary tale when it comes to tech i i, mm-hmm. I think when it comes to venture capitalism and startups like that world and i talked about this a little bit last week i think if you if you're if you have the skin for that, like to get into that world, uh-huh. uh, it it it's very volatile, and you have to have a lot of discernment. And um, you know, you may you may have an experience like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're more apt to have that experience than you would say, you know, a typical uh, tech job. But sure, I think I think the main so there's that. There's like the, there is that. Um, there is that side to the the business that's still, I think, still a little bit. It surprises people when they hear stories like this because maybe they don't realize how how ugly it can get. And I think it goes back to what I was saying. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a relatively new industry. It's uncharted territory. There's a lot of quote unquote chaos monkeys out there that are, you know, disrupting the. Um, the uh, industries that are mm-hmm. that have existed up until now, so th- it's it's kind of ripe for that kind of stuff. Um, and you're seeing stories like that, like you you're seeing movies and books about these things. I, I don't know if you ever saw The Big Short or um, Michael Lewis. Is, he's the author of Moneyball, but he, he wrote The Big Short, and there's a movie mm-hmm. which is I think about the the housing industry collapse, the mm-hmm. housing bubble, but you know, it's all around the same time. Um, and so I think there's a lot of stories like this, maybe not on this scale, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of facades. Mm-hmm. Um, this one happened to take on the look of a cult, but I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff you have to be careful about. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I guess that's my, my takeaway it, it, in, in the tech industry. A lot of, there's a lot of different jobs packaged a lot of different ways, uh, and you have to be you have to be really discerning, I think, because um, like I said, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have fallen for this given the right time and place. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's my my takeaway. It's just, yeah, I, maybe that doesn't sound profound, but you have to be discerning. And well, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think the takeaway needs to be profound. 
Uh, it has to be groundbreaking and life changing, and yes. it's not. You know, what's the point of this? No, no, I, I uh, <laughs> no, that's it. I mean, I, that's what I took from it. it was it was a uh, it was actually really an entertaining yeah documentary for sure. But I would not have wanted to live through it. No, I think for me, you know, it's just like it's it's both surprising and not surprising. Surprising how I mean, they're still around, and like we said, they did go public. I don't know how they changed their business after he left, because when it comes down to it, they're, they were a real estate business. They're renting right. out office space, right. and everything else around it is just fluff. You're right. And if, actually, if you go to their website now, they look they just look like a typical real estate business in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. I think they, they, you know, that's what they did is they went back and kind of stripped away all right. that stuff, and right. it's like, well, let's if we're going to survive let's just be what we are yeah and it's weird to go now because when you know the story of the company it's like that's yeah. not at all what they were presenting right but um like in terms of the takeaway like i i think it's a window into like not tech in general necessarily but what tech is par- partially because of the whole like venture capital aspect right and how everything might not be what it seems yeah. in tech companies. I think that is probably very common. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody says, oh, we're, we're, we're changing the world with this product or that product. And then a couple of years later, like it fails or whatnot. <laughs> and like, we, like it happens a lot, right? A lot of tech companies fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is because they're playing with house money, like from these venture capitalists that are taking these gambles on, well, maybe right. you can't. Maybe your vision will work out. So here you go. And if it does, you know, we're going to make a bunch of money. And that's kind of what the business is like in a lot of ways. If you want to like jump into that, like, I yeah, I would never want to do that for myself. Um, but I, I uh, just think that like, it's, like, like be a take, startup, you mean, or uh, like be in charge of a venture-backed startup. I would. Oh, I, yeah. I just. I believe in. If it's if it's for me, like I would want to bootstrap it. Like you start it from the ground up, like or like you build it from the ground up and try to be not profitable necessarily. Well, I guess yeah, like you want to be profitable as early as possible so that you can mm. you know that the business works. Yeah. So it's like if you want to grow it, it's like you know it's gonna work because it's a successful model. Yeah. So uh yeah, I guess as a movie it's like this is an extremely bad example of it going wrong, but yeah. like, there's like a lot of this probably is like a, a setup, and not necessarily with like a cult-like figure, but like this probably happens a lot more than people realize in tech in general. Yeah, and then just one last takeaway, I think, uh, mm-hmm. because there are, like you said, there are a lot of failures in the, you know, companies that fail, and then there's mm-hmm. there's also the like we said the massive successes or the ones that blow up. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, uh, it tends to lend itself to greed, you know, mm-hmm. it, because, you know, your eyes pop out of your head when you see, like, you see some of that propaganda, and it's like the promises that are made, mm-hmm. um, not to just provide you with a, an incredible uh, living down the road, but also to to have this incredible purpose. Oh. And you got an Amber Alert going on here. Okay. Sorry about that. It's all good. <laughs> um, 
but uh, not not just to have an incredible living, but to have purpose and meaning and like the the promises. Uh, I guess that that's not necessarily greed. I mean, having we all want to have purpose and meaning, mm-hmm. but but I think just the you know the lifestyle. Because you know how much is enough, right? We've talked about this yeah. with Apple. It's like you make a lot of, you can make a lot of money in the tech industry and have a social life, and like you can have everything mm-hmm. you want. It's just, it's like the because the opportunities are there. It's like there's always someone who's going to come along and and, and want to promise more and yeah better, and so. It lends us, it's it's conducive to greed, I think, and so you have to be mm-hmm. really careful about that. Going back to what I was saying, you have to be really discerning mm-hmm. uh, what what companies are promising, and um, realize that you don't you don't need all that. And right. the utopia thing is never going to happen. It's never happened throughout history. It's been right. promised over and over, um, which I'm surprised that people still fall for that. But um, I think even that is kind of appeals to greed in some way, like wanting to have the perfect commune. Right. Um, you know, we're not necessarily entitled to that. So, so I don't know. Yeah. There's a there's a whole lot of things you could take away from it, but it's a great cautionary yeah. tale. Long story short, yeah. it's like one of the better cautionary tales you will hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, they already have documentaries on Theranos, but I'm going to be curious to see how the trial turns out. Um, yeah. Theranos is a, like, like we said, kind of a different beast, I think, because their whole product was a lie. Yeah. Uh, which is a different classification of what was going on. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, cool. So I think that pretty much covers it for this week. Yeah. Uh, so until next time, I'm Jared Moranti. I'm Justin Moranti. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you soon. See ya. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to The Wild Loop. And if you would like to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell anyone you know that loves tech to subscribe as well. The Wild Loop is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you next time. say that wait is it yeah it's wild wild country okay so you could say wild wild we work this week yeah 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 that's good i think that's good okay because we talk about the cult thing a lot yeah 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 all right all right so you're doing it so just wild wild we work this week okay okay that's kind of funny i think that's pretty good all right go ahead go ahead wild wild we work i'm laughing i can't (laughs) here we go all right. Wild, wild, we work this week on the Wild Loop. <laughs> that's a lot of W's. <laughs> it is. It, it is. Week in Wild Loop. Yeah, okay. no, but that's all right. That's good. That's really good. That's all right.